Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. This is Weldy here sitting with Andrew. And uh, before we get to the mega big season preview uh, show and, you know, all of our brain power is going to spew into actually what's going to happen. So um, our predictions notoriously are always spot on. Uh, I just had a quick question for you. Um. And when it comes to streak-ending performances in a game, uh, what would you say is the more clutch performance, Royce Lewis or Tony Mosey? Mosey, for sure. <laughs> and uh, is that just because of your uh, blind hatred? On uh, we got we got people on Twitter uh, calling for pitchforks and. Ready to run you out of town for all your seriously? Epic? No, not really. we we run a college <laughs> hockey podcast. They 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 do want you to atone for your sins of uh, doubting the uh, the Minnesota Twins. I had a bad feeling about it. I, I have to be honest. Um, I'll stand up for Mosey. That was an overtime goal. Lewis's homers were in the early D- innings. Double overtime. Double overtime yeah. at that. So as far as clutch goes, I would say Mosey's counts more plus. Yeah. So I, I, I would I would give the the tally to Tony there. And really we always give Tony if, Mosey the, the benefit <laughs> of the doubt on and, the podcast. And and really would you actually go through it as far as years go, I mean, uh by the time their first win and the um you know, because they made the tournament in what, eighty nine? Was the uh, yes? So, like, as far as years go, that's that's got to be close as well, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a little over twenty years. So, I mean, years wise, Tony Mosey more clutch, um, and yep. and uh, the performance, like you said, double overtime. So, I think Royce Lewis just channer channeled his inner Tony Mosey, and uh, was able to lift the Twins to victory. So. There you go. So any uh, any uh, final thoughts about the game, the performance? Are you on the bandwagon? Are you coming back on? Coming around? I mean, it's bittersweet. It's I have a, a stew of feelings ranging from sadness to anger to frustration <laughs> to. I mean, this is I mean, also bittersweetness as far as. Looking back at the 0 and 18, that is a hell of a streak. It's it's DiMaggio like. Yeah, it's going to be difficult to to break. No, it's and it's impressive. It's maybe the most impressive thing this franchise has ever done. It's going to be up and, there with Cy Young, uh, and it's going to be up there with uh, Nolan Ryan's. I it's, wouldn't call it quite that. I mean, it's not quite DiMaggio because I think. I mean, I've been monitoring this because I think the Pistons are in double digits for consecutive playoff losses because we're going all four major sports here. Mm. So I've been monitoring the others in Toronto now at six straight losses in the playoffs. Hopefully we can put a stop to that uh, in the next day uh, in this series. But so it is, you know, it, it is a appreciation 
of a streak that took so much to build. But then also, again, it's it's sort of sad because, I mean, my baseball fandom had really been buoyed by just jumping on this anti-Twins fandom. I'm probably not even going to follow baseball anymore. So there's that sort of sadness as well, that I'm basically just kind of giving up on the sport, which was, again, I would have done that a couple years ago um, if I were trying to actually root for a team earnestly. So, are you, are you yeah. still going to play Immaculate Grid though? Oh yeah, oh, okay. because you can right. you can you can play guys from the '80s back then, <laughs> and that's my wheelhouse. That's your wheelhouse. So obscure '80s. I mean, I'll, I'll, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm going to be interested in how this series shakes out. It's it's a best two out of three. So the twins aren't. I mean, it, it, I know that they're already planning the victory parade after winning one playoff game in 20 years, but. They still got to win the series, and then there's um, some better competition just, ahead. So just let us have this. Let us have this but, one. This one yeah. shining moment that it's we can grab on. It's difficult to. <laughs> I was I was literally like nauseous, like physically sick uh, as the final score. I mean, you kind of knew after about the fourth inning that this was this was done. No, I uh, I didn't. It was not I've, to be. I watched the YouTube video that was an hour and 40 minutes long of twins failures in the playoffs. And it was a really good, which is a great, I I, I watched a little super cut, nothing like that long, but it was like three or four minutes of, of just all of what O and 18 was. And yeah, God, there was some great, great stuff. (laughs) There was some really overrunning the base. And one of them was, I had forgotten about that one. Yep. There was the whole Pat Pat Borders situation in the 04 playoffs. They got that guy. They traded for him the trade deadline. The guy was like retired. He had no. He was playing in the majors to collect pension time. <laughs> the Twins said, "Let's bring him on the roster because he was the 1992 World Series MVP." And that guy, uh, he was the guy that gave up the uh, pass ball for the winning run in the decisive game, and he had a couple of clutch at bats that he did nothing with in Game Two as well. That. Episode is I had forgotten about that. I mean, the Mauer with the uh, Phil Cuzzy oh, uh, yeah. foul ball, which I think people kind of overhype because he ended up walking. It basically it basically cost them one base, and they probably wouldn't even score the run anyway. Oh, but they would have scored was, the that run was because of the next three hitters had hits. I don't think that's true. They had loaded the bases, and then they didn't get. If they would have gotten the guy to third base with less than two outs, they would not have gotten a run home. I mean, uh, and so. It, that's just how they do it in the playoffs, but it's been some good and, and like starting the Uber driver in the playoffs uh, and the grand <laughs> slam mean, that true. Gregorius hit to like to halfway to Mars off of Duffy. That one was great. There's some really good ones. Yeah. Some, the, some um, very good ones. The video that I watched um, and it had like the, it showed like the peak winning percentage from fan graphs of every game. Like the end result of if you would have bet money at the peak that the twins were going to win and lose all of it, like just the odds of them losing. And like there were some like 91%, 96% win and like, and then they just blow it. So that's a, yeah. it's a fun video. So, all right. Anyway, let's, uh, let's head back to, uh, let's head back. So anyway, to the, infamous fish story talking about um, uh, more more fun topics to talk yeah exactly 
Which, I mean, timely, I guess. I might as well say a fish story. Uh, we might not hear anymore since the Omaha announcer. Omaha has a new announcer now. Such a shame. Uh, so do you think it was our uh, commentary that had anything to do with it? They were like, we can't, we can't become Absolutely. a bit on the Huskies Hockey Podcast. So we got we, we to gotta ax this. Well, I mean, there's the possibility that I'm assuming their color guy is still the same because he's been doing color for them for for a long time. Maybe their so. entire D1 run. So maybe he maybe might be the keeper of the fish story, and it gets past. Maybe down. we're going to hear more of it Ooh. because he's got to train the new guy yeah. uh, into the ins and outs of Omaha history. And yeah, that the the first home game, the guy's going to be like, "Wow, oh wow, there's a zamboni on the ice, a mini one. He's picking up a fish. Wow, I've look never at that. seen this." Oh, funny then, story about that fish. And then a period and a half goes by. So, <laughs> so I guess you got a point. Maybe we'll get more of it. Yeah. Well, maybe. So, um, let's do it. NCHC preview. Well, do you want to do NCHC preview first or do you want to do, um, uh, weekend preview? I think we should do season preview. It's up to right? you, producer. Perfect. Let's do season preview. You're the host. Um, I kind of figure best way to go about this would just eight to one and then maybe a little tidbit about every team, why we picked yeah. where where we did. Um and then we'll kind of just in general, it. it was tough. Oh yeah. I had I would say I had three teams sort of solidly in place. Really one team, like ice frozen in place. Two that I was somewhat confident on, and then the other five, it, it could go. I mean, there's four of those five. I'm not even sure top half versus bottom half, like three through six. Yeah. Spin it's... it up in a blender, because I, I'm I'm I could I could I won't, won't be surprised really any way the standing shake out this year. Yeah. Other than if Miami's more than not <laughs> Miami's eighth. higher than seventh is or seventh or higher. That that would be pretty much it. That's um, the shocker. Yeah, it's I mean, even even going to even two through seven, I guess I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe two and seven, you know, if they're up maybe a couple or spots or down a couple of spots for the two. It like it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me that much. And I think a lot of that is going to have to do with, you know, injuries and, and just uh, how basically some of these new guys come in and how, how everything kind of shakes out. It's, it's going to be a lot of, a lot of intrigue and I wouldn't be surprised. You know, we might be way wrong when it comes in and it's like, oh, well, you know, it's like throwing a dart really. So. So you feel pretty, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you, you feel pretty confident about your number one team. I do. You said two through seven. Yep. I feel confident about my number one team. Okay. So, well, I'm interested when we get there, but let's start at eight, which is the world's worst kept secret. (laughs) Well, we've already divulged it. So, uh, I obviously have North Dakota at eight because, (laughs) uh, I hate, so they were too far (laughs) off last year. (laughs) That's true. Uh, yeah, it's clearly Miami. Um, Miami. I don't know where they go, what they do, how they even write the ship. It's, you know, just coming from their CCHA days and 
this has not been a good transition. They have not been able to keep up with really anyone else in the conference. Um, and now obviously losing their goaltender, which obviously I'll talk about Pearson in a little bit. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't really understand where the scoring is going to come from. And now the defense has got some holes in it too. Um, it's and bad special teams. I just, I just don't see a lot. I mean, this might be conference wise. This might be a five win team max. I mean, and then there might be a couple of, um, you know, sneaky ones that kind of come in there as everything could happen in, in this conference, but it's this Miami just looks far and away the worst team in the conference. You're on mute right now. Thanks for that tip. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this it's a bad, it's been a bad team since Bergeron took over. No, no double digit win seasons for, for Bergeron so far. And as you said, like they've lost some of their better players over this last year. Pearson uh, moves, moves across conference to the to North Dakota and then losing Red Savage to Michigan state. But to give you an idea of, you know, where where do they go from here? It's like last year their top scorer, uh, Barbellini, who's still there, 25 points. And then they didn't have anybody else that cracked more than 15. And so they couldn't score. Pearson, for all the hype he gets, didn't have a very good season statistically. Um they lost a bunch of guys in the transfer portal, not just guys like Savage and, and Pearson, but role guys as well. And and Bergeron hasn't shown a, a proficiency in getting recruits, or at least you know he's able to get a guy like Savage, who was you know had national team development uh, program experience uh, in some you know draft pick, and he never really. Uh, produce much in, in his time in Miami. Betcha he'll do a little bit better in Michigan State. But so I just don't know. I don't know where the where the positives are for this team. And seemingly every other team in the conference is at least rising. I mean, there's you know Western we think might take a little bit of a hit this year. Omaha. I'm not certain that they're going to repeat a top half of the perform top half of the conference performance that they did last year, but you know, CC's kind of on the way up. Um, you know, UND Duluth, they're always sort of in the running St. Cloud and Denver, obviously there's really no real competition I see for eighth place. Uh, and so by default, I can't put them anywhere else, but eighth, because I just don't see any real, strength of this team unfortunately and it's sad to have such a consistent doormat in this conference um you know when when the conference was started 10 plus years ago that was kind of thing it's like top to bottom this conference can who's gonna who's gonna finish last place 
And well, as it's turned out, I mean, CC was kind of the uh, volunteer for that uh, position. They volunteered as tribute. It's, it's been bouncing back and forth, but the last few years, at least in the 2020s, let's say, it's been Miami's uh, uh, in in the cellar on a yearly basis. So, yeah, I'd like to see it coming together for them because it, it's nice to have a, a strong conference, but um, and, and they don't play at a, a terribly difficult non-conference schedule. So the chance of them getting to double digit wins this year, I mean, they had a decent run in non-conference last year, but didn't win hardly any games in conference. Your, your prediction of five conference wins. I might go with that. You know, it's good over under um, to set for them. And, I think it'll be difficult for them to top that, but we, uh, well, she's, she'll see how it plays out, but they're the one sort of team that if they put it together and have a great year, even a 500 year, that would just blow my mind. Like, whereas everybody else, even CC, like if CC competes for a, you know, pairwise birth, um, wouldn't terribly shock me. Uh, but yeah, Miami don't see a whole lot there. And, uh, I think it'll be another long season in Oxford. And like, just like I, I feel like bad almost for fans of that team. I mean, almost obviously, but like, just just to have absolutely no sense and direction from being a powerhouse to to becoming this. It's um, yeah. I basically the only thing I really have written down regarding Miami. You have all question marks. You have no right. answers. So that's who I have as well at eight. No surprise there. Seven. Who you got? Again, I had to grapple with this, but because I think they got the best goalie in the conference, but I got CC at seven. But it's a as as do I. It's a seven that comes with a. And I agree with you as well that they do have the best goalie in the conference. And that's Caden and Berko is, is yep. we've we've sung his praises throughout last year. I still think he should have won goalie of the year. I think that um uh Corona don't I would have placed him third out of the out of the finalists. Don't so that flat cozy from Omaha above him as well. But but I think Emberico is the real deal in goalie. Um you know, but we've seen in this conference that you know good goalies like the the one year that Pearson had a really good year where he then was the preseason goalie of the year the following year. You know, Miami was still eighth place in, in Pearson's solid season in Miami. Having the best goalie in the conference doesn't guarantee you anything, really. You can still finish near the bottom with the best goalie. Because I from this from their perspective, I think offense is really what was lacking last year. And their best player, Hunter McCown, left for the pros. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris Mayotte, their coach, has uh, proven himself already to be an adept recruiter, from getting guys like Embarico with with uh, you know World Juniors experience uh, into the fold, and they were able to snag a couple of guys in recruiting. This that'll come in this fall. Uh, a few of them, which were drafted uh, by by NHL teams over the summer, and so. Those guys are going to be exciting for them, but you know, got, got a guy like uh, Noah Laba as well, who freshman last year showed some signs of 
being a decent player and he you know might slide into that top score role for them this year now that McCown's gone but it's going to be a young team it's going to be an unproven offense uh that's probably going to have to rely on winning a lot of 2 to 1 type games which yeah for all the uh praises that we sang, sung to Barico and how I think the narrative at the end of the year when they sweep northern or sweep Western Michigan in the uh NCHC playoffs beat Denver and then lose somewhat handily to St. Cloud in the title game in the frozen faceoff that sort of brief flirtation with a tournament berth you know it kind of elides the fact that they went into that Western Michigan series on a 13 game losing streak I mean it still was not a great team uh and so I still they're, they're just not a proven commodity all as an all-around team they have one star player but I just don't know where the scoring is going to come from and because of and it, if you're a young team you might be able to get away with that in other conferences in the NCHC. It's going to be a tougher task to, to rely on freshmen and sophomores to carry your offense. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if their underclassmen are the top four or five guys on their score sheet at the end of the year, but I don't think that's going to translate to a serious like postseason threat, but they're they are an intriguing team. I think they're maybe this one like next year. See how they progress this year. Then maybe next year, not only would they maybe threaten for a top half of the conference um, seeding, but potentially they're a legitimate NCAA tournament um, contender. So I think the program's head in the right direction. Uh, you know, Mayotte's been doing some things that guys like. Chris Bergeron at Miami haven't done in their time since uh, taking over. And so I think the, um, the future is pretty bright in Colorado Springs, but I just think it's still we're a year away from being a full fledged contender. Yeah. I talk about the Tigers. I agree. I'm thinking about a year or two away. I'm, like I'm maybe I'm a little bit harsh when it comes to this, but I'm reserving Mayotte. You know, I'm reserving judge my judgment on Mayotte quite yet. I know he's kind of the darling of the press when it comes to, oh, look, he's got the program going in the right direction and all that and a deep tournament run um, in the NCHC probably had a lot or had a lot to do with that as well. But it's, you know, I just like to see a little bit more body of work before all of a sudden we put him on a pedestal um, and uh, I want to see him actually showing more direction when it comes to it. So I'd like to see this team kind of make some steps in improvement before giving him, you know, coach of the year honors or anything along those lines. So um, he might lead the league in terms of coach speak ability. <laughs> I think you brought that up last year where one of his like in between periods was just rattling off. Just a Rolodex. Pucks in deep and got to keep moving their feet. And and... <laughs> it was just cliche after cliche after cliche with, uh, with a uh, like coating of slickness over it, uh, glibness uh, that was quite, quite impressive. So he's got the patter down. Now he just needs to uh, prove it in the wins and losses uh, standpoint. 
Um, so it'll be it'll be really intriguing to see how and you know and what kind of comes from this team. Um, but I do I I, I I'm not too. I'm not going to put them just on that high horse just quite yet. So, you know, I, I get where people are coming from. Um, and a lot of his recruits um, that I see, especially his forwards, but, you know, also is it's, it's a lot of USHL. Um, I think there's only, um, yeah, just kind of going through. I mean, doesn't go into the any of the Canadian leagues or anything along those lines. So it's you know it's it's a lot of seasoned players that are used to playing in that tough league. So you know, yeah, on paper, I see why people would put them a lot higher than we are. Um, but I I just don't see it as of yet. And you know, my jury is still out on Mayotte. So we'll see where that one goes. Uh, sixth place. Oh, um, something I just thought of actually just now. I'm just going to put a random percentage when it comes to percentage that they would be in the top half of the NCHC. So Miami, I would put at 0.5% that they're going to make the top half of the NCHC. CC, I'd probably put at around 10%. Even that. I'll go on. I'll go under on Miami. (laughs) <laughs> i'll go under 0.5 percent. i just i just i just can't say zero <laughs> and that's the thing maybe point i can no yeah, yeah. i'll say i'll say that's zero not how it works for there miami is a percentage chance but okay i'll tell you what if miami uh finishes in the top half of the league i will buy you a beer hey i like that idea so can CC, it be 10 percent? i might get... can it be a growler sure Yes. Let's make it two growlers. In Whoa, fact. hey. I'll pick uh We're splurging. Yeah, I'll pick Backshed and Third Street. There we go. Do that. Cloud Zone. All right. Uh CC. Yeah, I might go I might go a little higher than ten percent with CC, not terribly higher, maybe seventeen percent. One in okay. six chance. Okay. Yeah. I just I don't know. They I mean Embarco will steal them some games, but as far as scoring goes. It's just, there's just nothing there. Sixth place. I agree with that. I, I'm almost like tempted to, I'm just looking at my list and I'm like, um, I want to make that change. I want to, I want to make all teams. my changes, but I'm just going with what I have written down. It's kind of, it's kind of like when I play, yeah. I've got a couple of rules when it comes to when I play trivia. One of them is, you know, just usually just go with your first instinct. You know, it's when you get into that, well, maybe it was, you know, fill in the blank. And then it's like, nope, I should have just stuck with it. And then at any time there's a number, I always add one. So if it's like, if I can name six of something and the answer is like, how many of blah, blah, blah. I'll be like, I'm probably forgetting one. So seven. So many times that's worked out for me. (laughs) So, so. Like I said, I'm I'm even looking right now. I'm not really happy with my list, except except for number one. I guess it just doesn't make sense. But everything else, I'm like, yeah, I could switch it around and whatnot. So this is where I think it probably gets to closer to like fifty percent that they're in the top half of the league. Oh yeah, for sure. So 
All right, I'll spill it. I got Western at six. Oh, Western. I've got North Dakota at six. Really? I do. Wow. So what do you want to what do you want to talk about? Well, we could talk about both. Now I, I can then I can then disclose where I put North Dakota or sure. do you want me to still sort of trickle it out? Sure. You can say where you put Western, I suppose. Okay. Again, as I mentioned, like three to six right now. I'm thinking like the final weekend. Yeah. And who's ever in six still will have cha- have a chance have to a be chance at, like home, at least home ice. Yeah. Um, so th- these are all clumped together. And I did make a, th- uh, a point of when I said that, you know, I had Western at seventh, I think, was my hot take when I did the KVSC guys. Um, but then I actually started looking at their team and did a little bit more digging into it. And I do have them higher. I do actually have them at fourth. Which I don't, okay. I don't really love, but at the same time, I'm just kind of going with it at this point. Um, they, well, they were. I, that's of, interesting because I, ha- I have North Dakota at fourth, oh, so we can we sort just, of do both of these. We'll perfect. Knock, right. knock both of these out. All right. Uh, let's but, talk. Uh, you, you had Western at six. Let's talk about Western. Sure. Yeah, and yeah, because my fifth place team, I'm thinking like if I'm just going those two teams. I probably would slot Western ahead of that fifth place team, which I'm not going to divulge. Uh, this second but but i still think i I don't know it's so close but Mm -hmm. and and i've mentioned before how i i trust Firstweiler a lot a lot more so than like mayotte which we were just talking about because Firstweiler has been able to i mean just when just in two years um but steps in that first year takes a Western team kind of out of nowhere. Didn't really have many expectations after Andy Murray's tenure had, had finished and brings him to, you know, a regional final. They win their first NCAA tournament game. I think they were the number one seed in that regional, I believe. Yeah, they were, they were the fourth overall seed that year. And then last year, after losing a bunch of their key guys uh, in that first first Weiler year, say that five times <laughs> fast, uh, but they were able to reload, you know, with guys like Ryan McAllister comes in as a freshman, an older freshman, uh, but he steps in, um, has a great season. Um, Jason Pollen, Poland, we never really knew the exact correct pronunciation with him, but he had a near Hobie year. Um, player of the year in the NCHC, remind me if that was correct or not. Um, he had an excellent season. Yep. Um, Sasson as well. That was that sort of line that really vaulted them to a second place finish in the conference and another NCAA tournament berth. Um, and so coming back this year, so you're losing Pollen, Sasson is gone, McAllister is gone, and it's similar to the year before where you lost your top three or four scorers, maybe even five with with Adderd at the defense. Um, it's a similar situation where you're losing kind of your four or five best players, at least uh, offensively. And and that's why I originally had them like at seven. I thought they lost too much, but digging in, I liked how, who they have returning and some of the additions that they've made. Yeah, they were active in the transfer portal. Um, they got a couple of guys that have NHL names attached to them uh, on programs, meaning that they were drafted. Some of these guys like Constantini, who was in North Dakota, a player originally had a really bad year for him last year. I think he only scored one or two goals. He's looking for a change of scenery in Kalamazoo. Um, I, like to call him a drafted 
prospect probably overrates him just with that alone. Cause I'm not expecting him to have like all of a sudden have a 30 point season, but I don't know. Like I said, Fershweiler is a, a guy that seems to get the most out of the players that, that, that play for him. And now, correct me if I'm wrong though, but like Constantini had a decent freshman. He had a year. decent freshman year. And then just that I think he scored, he scored against St. Cloud at least once or twice last yeah. year. I can see maybe his better game, best games were against the Huskies, but uh, yeah, decent first year, but it's sort of a sophomore Eight, slump in yeah. his second year. Eight goals, 13 assists, 21 points in 35 games as a freshman. I'd take that. Yeah, and if they can get something close to that, then sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a nice pickup for them. Uh, Colangelo, I believe, is his name from Northeastern. They picked him up. Um, they have some intriguing prospects that that came in through the transfer portal. Now, I've never been a huge fan of Cameron Rowe, uh, their goaltender. He had, I would say, like an average season last year for them. Not great by any stretch of imagination, but not got awful either um they might need a step up in the goaltending department this year because i'm not sure they can win as many six to five type games that they were able to the last two years um we'll see if they if he man if he if he manages this a third time where you lose your top four scorers you reload either through recruiting or transfer portal and you do it again sort of with I know that we mentioned their 12th in the preseason Austro poll. Uh, again, take that with a thousand grains of salt. <laughs> but um, I, I feel like there's, at least with the conference, like not sky high expectations again. And so if he does this three years in a row, then we've, you know, we've really got to learn our lesson and think that uh, kind of assume that Western's going to be a top half yeah. uh, of the conference team until we, until Fershweiler proves otherwise. But so far, two years and two, Kind of marvelous coaching jobs. If he can do it a third time, that's mighty impressive. But I'm still going to play the pessimist for him this year. I think that you lose these guys again, plus you're not relying on as quality uh, of a goaltender as I think the rest of the contenders in the in the league have. That's why I'm not super high on Western. Now I want to hear your take on you know fourth place. You're a little higher on that than I am. Yeah. Um... When I, you know, I was the one that got it done, Luke Granger. Um, I I thought he had, um, you know, a really good season. I, I really like his game. You know, Dylan went um, as well as as just kind of a solid all around player. Um, I, I do like how they're coming back with a good amount of their defense is coming back. Um, and also they're, um, you know, picking up that Dallas Stars draft pick who had to sit out a game or had to sit out last season because he played some games in Sweden um, as well. So it's, I, I think their defense is going to be improved. I do like Rowe, except he does give up some really weak goals. I do think if he does tighten that up, which I think he will, I think is that's where it's going to kind of vault them maybe a little bit higher. Um, but it's, you know, if Roe doesn't take that step forward and the defense and the penalty kill is still abysmal, it's going to be kind of a tough road for them to hoe here in the NCHC this year. But I do, I do have them maybe a little bit higher than I originally thought I would just because I was looking at the names that were leaving. Um, but I do, I do see that uh, they might be kind of a really uh, 
uh, really tough game, and I really like how Hirschweiler coaches these guys. So, yeah. Speaking of the defense, you know, in his two years, he's proven to get a lot of his offense from the point. You know, mentioned Adard and then also Joyu in first of all, his first year, the 21-22 season. Both those guys had 30-plus point years from the point. And then last year, they got this uh, Zach Galambos from AIC, a transfer portal, portal guy, as well as Chase Berger, another transfer portal guy. I believe he was from UConn, I'm going to say, another transfer portal acquisition but they both put up 20 plus point seasons from the point and so he likes to factor in the dd when it comes to offensive production yeah obviously a lot of that is power play driven as well they've had a very good power play as you mentioned it comes with the cost of not the best uh, penalty kill but um yeah they're certainly a a contender team if we're going to try like to, to peg a percentage of them finishing the top half as i mentioned six to three in, in this conference might be separated by you know, four or five points. Mm-hmm. And so I might say because of their sixth, can I, I don't know. I don't know if these averages need to add up to a hundred. I don't if, think so. Cause I'm not going to cheat to say that all oh, there's 75%, every team's 75% <laughs> chance to be top half from this, from this point, from this point forward. Out. But uh, with them sixth, I'll say, you know, 45%. Sure. Yeah. Yep. And I, I, I'd say probably somewhere in the, I would probably even say 66. I would, I actually like them a little bit higher versus like them a little further down. Like, uh, like I, even me having them at four, I see them at three or two more than I see them at like five and six. And I know I'm in the minority when it comes to that. At least how I look at it. I'll tell you why I kind of had them six. It more has to do with, the teams in front of them i, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves sure. do we want to do north dakota because we sure we mentioned them or do we want to move to our fifth place team nope. it's up to you let's go you uh, let's do north dakota because uh, i had them at six um yeah so let's um you, let's start with you then yep well, um, why why are you so down on, on the and it's, hawks and it's actually not really for the the reasons that have been really popular on, on Twitter. Like a lot has been made right now about the fact that it's a completely new defense. And I get where everyone kind of latches onto that. Cause it's kind of a fun storyline and we could, you know, tell a lot of jokes about LOL. Brad Berry is a bad coach because uh, he can't keep his players. Um, but in the end, yeah, they're rehauling all of their defense, but their defense was really bad last year <laughs> so i now now how much of a step up can they make especially with duct tape and band-aid of a who's who of people who knows and not having that stability i think is going to be maybe a little bit of key especially early on in the season now i haven't really had a chance to look at their schedule kind of early on um well, yeah, you start out with Army and then three Big Ten teams. And then God, they don't leave North Dakota until November. Jeez. Anyway, um, you know, you do have kind of, I think, a little bit of the security on the fact that obviously the Minnesota series, that's going to be big. And I think that might be kind of a telling, telling sign right off the hop for them. But then 
you got some time to get your feet wet when it comes to Minnesota State. And then, you know, you're at BU, which is going to be at tough. At BU. Um, but when it comes to conference play at Minnesota Duluth, which I, you know, don't have ranked much higher than them, uh, Miami, Bemidji, you know, so you've got some time to kind of get, get, get some points there. But I just think that a hodgepodge defense that is going to take some time to get some kind of chemistry. And I don't think Pearson is that good or nearly as good as everyone expected. He stole a couple games from Miami. Yes, I will give you that. But looking at his stats and his numbers, and you can always say, oh, yeah, he was on a bad team. And, you know, I can also counter that with, you know, who else was on bad teams? You know, uh, Janine Adler. She was on terrible teams, and she still posted a 930 save percentage. You know, a a sub-900 save percentage isn't going to get it done in the NCHC. I don't care what team you're on. And the fact that, you know, now he's going to North Dakota and everyone, you know, praises him as this immaculate goaltender. And I just don't see it because I just find him really inconsistent when he's on. Sure, he's on, but I just don't think that he's going to be able to carry North Dakota Um, and combine that with, I think North Dakota is kind of a one line team as I see it right now. And I don't think they have the depth as a lot of the other teams do. And I don't think or like to go up against a lot of the defenses that are going to be prevalent in the NCHC. So that's why I'm I'm sitting North Dakota right now uh, where they're at it. Where do I have them again? Sixth. Sixth place. I got them in fourth, uh, but I don't think they're going to be too far away from sixth. Uh, it's going to be, I think, that middle pack mm-hmm. of the conferences where I've got them. I agree with you with, with on Pearson. Um, speaking about like Fershweiler, if you can do this three times in a row, then we can <laughs> sort of gain some trust. I, I mean, look at North Dakota. This is the third straight year. They've brought in a goalie yep. via the transfer portal every off season. It's like, Oh God, we finally solved the goaltending issue. We got Zach Driscoll. Thank God. I mean, we, we just had this, uh, you know, we, we have, uh, she leave, but we got this conference, best conference goalie for the CCHA coming over. Um, watch out. That was a struggle. They were able to make the tournament that year, but Driscoll was hardly stellar that season. And then last year, uh, with uh, bringing in the Michigan State goalie, um, whose name is is uh, Hildebrand? Or not, not Hildebrand. That was an old Michigan State goalie. Um, I am forgetting the name uh, of the goalie they had last year. Deritter. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, tap dancing enough for you to look that up on <laughs> online but here's a guy that even i was thinking you know the, goal, the huskies uh goaltending question marks last year maybe be in the market for deritter it's glad they didn't because he had a, a worse year than driscoll certainly did and i mean there was times where that uh jacob helston was was getting some of the time and he was no better they'd even dipped into their third goalie at one point uh to give and he gave up a set had like a seven goal uh game that he he goaltended against uh, and so their goaltending they plumbed the depths yeah. um of of their goalie goaltending last year and that was again the storyline coming in is that they kind of hit a home run with a transfer goaltender and so they're trying it for a third straight time and we were hearing the same kinds of storylines about well it, you scooped up a, gra- a great goalie and as you mentioned you just look at those back of the baseball card stats yeah, they're not. I don't really look at goals against because that that's where a bad team in front of you can really hurt your stats. But a lot of times with like look at DeRitter, 
he's played in front of a bad Michigan State team. His save percentage was fairly decent because that's the one benefit of playing a, a, a team that gives up a ton of shots is that your save percentage generally can be high because you can still give up five goals, but you'd save 40 shots a game because your your defense lets that much rubber through. Typically, having a, a below 90 save percentage it's not good news no matter what the quality of the team in front of you is. And so can he put it together? Sure. I mean, he he did it his, his freshman year at Miami and he's certainly going to be playing in front of a better team than he would have been playing in Oxford. But uh, I, I, if I was a North Dakota fan and thank God I'm not, I would not <laughs> be many super reasons. confident. I would not be super confident that right. uh, Pearson is going to be some sort of magic uh, potion here. That's going to solve all their other question marks and, yeah, rebuilding the uh, the defense on the fly here. I think they brought in some decent um, guys through the transfer portal, and they also have some higher end um, freshmen coming in as well. Recruits, um, well, you know, uh, guys like uh, Keaton Pearson, who came in from Michigan, a good stay at home defenseman, not going to give you much offense. I think he only scored one goal in his few years at Michigan. Um, a guy like uh, Garrett Pike from Alaska, um, they were successful the last time they dipped in the portal to get a transfer defenseman from Alaska um, with their guy last year. God, my name's, I had, I had this in my head today and now it's all mush, but he, uh, Jandrick who had a 30 point year from, from last year, uh, Alaska um, transfer Pike maybe doesn't have that sort of in him as far as like a 30 point season, but you know, a couple of 19 point seasons uh, from the back end for a, uh, Fairbanks team that at least last year was pretty solid. Um, I, I also like the Bennett Smolik who they got from Mankato, sort of part of the Mankato uh, diaspora after <laughs> Hastings left. Smolik, yes. um, so, son of a uh, former NHLer, Doug Smolik, um, didn't play last year due, due to injury, and he didn't do a ton in his first year with Mankato, but I think he's a guy that can be an offensive uh, threat as well as a, a stalwart defensive presence as well. He might be the best of the bunch they picked up through their non-recruiting side of things uh, when they're rebuilding the defense here. Also got a guy from Sacred Heart, your favorite uh, Atlantic hockey team, uh, who had some decent years in, in Atlantic this hockey. Year, my favorite. <laughs> the, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe not the, uh, uh, maybe not in past years, um, but, um, but uh, Logan Britt uh, is the name. He's a grad transfer so he'll just be this the they're this this year for north dakota but um it is going to be very interesting to see how that shakes out but as you said it, they don't have to they don't have to do a ton to improve on what what the defense was last year yeah. um and so uh so it, yeah it, i'm just interested to see not not just how their defense is going to play in terms of shielding Pearson in net, but also if they're going to generate some offense there, uh, I, I would be skeptical that they're going to get a guy like Jandrick, who's going to put in a 30 point year from the point. But you know, if that's how their power play sort of evolves throughout the year, one of these guys that we mentioned uh, might be sort of that um, power play presence that um, factors into a lot of goals. I, I would agree that I think that top line, they are sort of top heavy. Um, I, I always hesitate to call a team a one-line team, but uh, that might be the case, although I will say it might be the best line in the conference. Yeah. Um, and 
because of that, I think I'm a little bit more confident that I think they, they still can score the goal can score goals enough to compete and at least be in the top half, albeit at like a, a fourth place finish rather than I don't think this team is seriously going to compete for a Penrose this year. Again, knocking on wood because I really hope that they don't. But and it's always nice that they do. I, I like last year when they're in the bottom half of the league. It's a good place for North Dakota, right? exactly. just in general. But um, I do yeah. have some faith that they can at least score the goal, at least put some point, points on the board. Yeah, It's just kind of going to be a matter of how many they're going to let up. Yep. And then one other transfer that they did pick up um, from Omaha, Cameron Berg. Um, who, yeah, good pickup. Yeah, is a really good pickup from them. So I don't know if they're going to be plucked with Gaber and uh, Blake on that line. Um, Cameron, I don't remember if Cameron Berg's a center or not. Um, but anyway, it's um, but that that gives them maybe a little bit more firepower and maybe you know, helping a little bit in the scoring. I, I I just again like you said going too many times to the transfer portal for the goalies and hasn't worked out yet. I don't see any thought process uh, or you know I'm I don't think it's going to work out now. So number five. So I got my fourth place team is North Dakota. Uh. I kind of, so I pick Omaha for five because okay. I want Omaha to play North Dakota in the first round of playoffs. <laughs> that was why I picked them ahead of Western. Sure enough. Okay. Who I do you like, got I in like, fifth? I like it. I've I've got Minnesota Duluth in fifth. Okay. So we flipped. I promised I'd well. have a lot to say about North or about Duluth, uh, just for Jan, Dan Jacobson's benefit. Um, I have Duluth a little higher. Yep. Um, but it's more of like a reverse jinx. <laughs> gotcha. You're you're, so, you're twins fanning it, trying to kind of uh, trying to. And let's hope that my reverse jinx works better on Duluth than it did the twins <laughs> this year for me. Uh, so, but again, these these are the four teams that I'm Duluth, yeah. North Dakota, Omaha, Western that I'm really sort of unsure about. And I think are all kind of clumped together, but um, how about we start with yours? We'll start with Duluth. Duluth. So you got them at fifth. I got them at fifth. Yeah. I have them. I have them at third. Just uh, outside of home. Ice. What, what do you feel? Uh, um, yeah. What do you feel about that? Why, why are they fifth? Why are they fifth in your mind? Um, you know, the, the big thing is for me that the, I think the offense is again going to be a little bit of a struggle for them. Um, now, Steve's is you know one of the best players in the conference, and you know I'm um, getting Blondie back as well. I think is going to be kind of a big uh, a big boost as well. I, I just don't know where a lot of the other goals are going to be coming from. Um, and then obviously. You know, they do tend to play that defensive style a little bit more, and that really slows down other teams. Um, and But when it comes to in goal, you know, it, if if Stasekul's going to be the guy coming back from everything that he's had to come, you know, uh, kind of overcome, you know, how how is he going to be 
Um, I think that's just kind of a big, big question for me um, in that, which is why, you know, fifth, I kind of put as maybe a little bit of a cop out right in the middle. Um, Cause I can see them being really anywhere um, above or below. Travis is uh, overcome with the moment right now. He just can't quite understand how Duluth is fifth. He had to get out of his system though, but now he's back. Are you all right there? Yeah, I went to um, <laughs> I went to a Queen tribute band concert over the weekend. So I don't know if anyone could tell my voice is a little bit a little bit more hoarse. Uh, but ever since then. Like even still, like there's been this little tickle slash cough kind of like irritant hoarseness in my throat that I've been just kind of battling. And uh, every once in a while, I go on a coughing spree and I decide not to cough in your guys's ear. So, um, we appreciate that. Yep, exactly. Um, so obviously, I talked about you know Steve's Blondie coming back is going to be big. Um, Dominic James um, as well, I think, uh, was a force as well. Um, it's uh, so really, it's kind of you know, you know, after you get through from you know Stay Skull, um, and after that, I guess just you know, hopefully everything's uh, kind of you know, okay uh, on, on that front, but we'll see how, uh, how everything goes for Duluth. But I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a little bit of an up and down season, maybe a little bit streaky when it comes to it. Um, and I can see them again. I could see them as high as probably second and down at seventh. If the wheels really fall off for this team, but Sandy is always kind of able to keep his team on an even keel. And, um, um and and really put um you know a competitive team out there night in night out uh i don't know really about their defense um it doesn't feel like there's as big of a stalwarts back there as there normally is so that's kind of uh the big thing why i have them down at, at the lower half of the conference but just outside home ice yeah, I think they're going to miss uh, Kaiser mm-hmm. on the back end. Brought in Luke Bast from North Dakota, one of those defecting uh, defensemen from the F and Hawks. And so I do think, yeah, I mean, they're bringing in a Pionk. You know, great. Uh, <laughs> I bet, I bet, he, I bet he'll be good. Uh, That's true. But uh, and Will Francis, he's going to be out for probably the season. You mentioned Stayskull the cancer battle now it's uh will francis having to deal with that so never like to hear that and and he had a decent start to his career as well but don't expect really much of anything from him this year and hope he hope he uh improves health-wise uh but uh so the defense is going to be more of a question mark than it typically has been for them and i, I do agree with your assessment of the offense I'm, I'm not putting them third because i'm really sold on this team it's just um somehow they find a way to do it. I'm, I'm just looking at, at their page on CHN. I'm just surprised by the amount of draft picks that they have with, you know, Luke Lowheight. He's got 38 points and 36 points in four years in drafted player as a forward. And, uh, you know, guys like uh, 
Quinn Olson, who's, you know, a decent player, but I, I, I don't consider him a game changer. Uh, Biondi, I think, can be good. Uh, he had a very good freshman year uh, and then, or sophomore year, I should say, last year struggled before getting injured, just six points in 17 games. But I think a lot of that was injury related. They get him back healthy, former Mr. Hockey winner. Uh, I think he can be perhaps their, uh, you know, one of their top scorers. I, I do think Dominic James is solid as well, and he always seems to play well against the Huskies. Um, bringing in a, a transfer player in Connor McMenamin from uh, Penn State, put up 60-some points um, over four years with the uh, Fighting Godowskis. Uh, and so I think he will contribute to the team as well. Um, and as you mentioned, Steve's had a, had a great year in his freshman year and uh, did it particularly well against the Huskies as well. Uh, got that great uh goal spread with him 21 goals seven assists uh and so it's uh it's good to see those but yeah those um there definitely are question marks um it's somehow they they tend to get things done i mean think about last year i mean they just were not that great of a team last year yeah. matching steve's being kind of their best top scorer but piandi being hurt and and all that sort of the first half they kind of slept walk through and Stayskull had to sort of hustle at the end of the year to get his goals against above nine. Uh, and they, him and Thiessen, who was the other goalie that played a decent chunk of the season, you know, their goals against was just a shade over nine, you know, 90%, which for them is save percentage, you know, save percentage, I should say. Uh, and, but for them, you know, being so used to, you know, guys like Fanti and Shepard and, mm -hmm. and, and the whole run of goalies they've had for like a decade prior, that was a huge step backward in, in terms of their goaltending performance. Um, and, but with all of that sort of disappointing season, they were still able to get fifth place in the conference and give St. Cloud a good run for their money in the playoffs. And so for some, it's just that they, they always play better to what the sum of the parts are, you know? And so it chalk, chalk that up to goal goaltending, chalk that up to, you know, the rabbit's foot, wherever it's seen a good, good fortune they have, but, Somehow it get it, they get things done. I would say they're, even though I have them third, and again, that's mostly kind of like a troll type pick um, from my perspective, but you're talking about like North Dakota's schedule uh, as well. You know, I do think Duluth has a chance to flirt more so with like, I think they, they, they have an opportunity. Maybe they're not third. That's where I'm picking them. But even if they're lower than that, I still think they have a decent chance of making an NCAA tournament run because I think their their non conference is pretty solid. I mean, they got opportunities to pick up some key wins. Maybe it's going to come down to how they perform in non conference. We saw last year, we knew that something was up when they got swept at home against Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And this was not a Mike Hastings Wisconsin team. This was a Tony Granado <laughs> Wisconsin team. And so last year, their non conference um, did not help them at all. And correct and so me that's if the I'm thing wrong. About, it was a like it wasn't close that sweep, right? I think one of the games was maybe a one goal game with an empty netter. I think the other one was like a four to one. I'm, we have the internet here. I suppose I could check. Um, yeah, five. Really okay, they lost five to two and three to nothing. Oh, yeah. So I mean, getting outscored by three to that Wisconsin team is. I mean, yeah, and bad. 36 shots for, for Wisconsin on the first night. I mean, the UMD outshot out them both nights, but not by a terrible margin. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. So that was not good, but that's the thing about non-conference. Like it can make or break your season as far as like being the difference uh, in pairwise to make a spot versus not making it. You got some opportunities here against Michigan tech right off the bat here with the hall of fame game coming up this weekend, mm-hmm. Northern Michigan, who seems to be decent. Then you got games at Cornell. You got a uh, home and home with the Gophers. And then you got this uh, Wisconsin tournament uh, in Wisconsin over the Christmas break where you're going to play Northeastern and what might be an improved Wisconsin team this year. So they have some opportunities to, if they're not going to, if they're going to play more closer to 500 in the NCHC, if they have a winning record in those non-conference games, you know, that might vault them into the pairwise uh, territory um, that we've seen are, they're so dangerous if they're inside that, if they're in the field in this NCAA tournament. So, um, yeah, I'm again, when I said three to six, these teams are sort of interchangeable to me. I just have UMD being on top very slightly. Um, and, but I think that they, it, like UND, there's, there's a lot of question marks and they're just going to have to prove me wrong or right. However it plays out, but another intriguing team to think about. And maybe a little bit of a quick clarification. I mean, I, I obviously with the, uh, the health battles that state school has, I mean, he did play last year. Um, but you never know when, you know, anything like that can kind of resurface and, and whatnot. Right. So, um, and hope it, obviously hope it doesn't. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of recap. So from three down to six, you have, um, Duluth, North Dakota, Omaha, then Western. That's right. Okay, gotcha. And then I have Omaha, Western, Duluth, North Dakota. You have Omaha in third. I have Omaha in third. Okay. Yep. Well, I suppose we should talk about those Mavericks. Yep, exactly. Um. Yeah, I I Omaha. When I was kind of looking at their team, I I first off, I really like Lacozy. Um. As a goaltender, I think Lacozy is probably, I mean, definitely one of the better goaltenders in in the NCHC. I, I, my gut even says maybe just under Emberco, I would put him that high. Um, and I've just kind of always, maybe I've always been had had this little soft spot when it comes to Omaha for whatever reason, but I think they're returning, you know, a lot of players up front that were incredibly strong, even with Berg's departure, you know, with uh, Mueller coming back, Miller coming back, uh, Randall, uh, they've got uh, high, uh, highly touted, uh, a Lutke that is not related. um, I believe, or is he related? No, see, no. I don't think so, right? Spelled differently Spelled. too. He yes, doesn't have that's the, right. the middle not... e. That's right. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to KVSE uh, uh, a moment there when I, you know, the Lazat. Uh, I don't want. I don't. They've want got that. two Lukies. Yep. Actually. Yep. They've got a Lutke and a Lutke. I believe. Well, they're both spelled the same. They both spelled the same. L u d t k e. Which I think Josh is L u d k e. I don't know if Josh has the T in it. Again, we have the internet. I suppose I could check this. But as we mentioned with as, the uh, KBSC guys, that's annoying to have that many players with that similar name. And as we're thinking different pronunciations, 
This yeah. is so Lukey um, for the Huskies does have a T, but his is L U E D T K E. Yeah. So, and I don't mean I'm not even sure if Lukey. I'm sure I think those guys even corrected us with the correct pronunciation. I don't even I can't remember <laughs> how to pronounce Josh Lutke, Lutke, Lutke. I have no idea about uh, the Omaha pair. So, but um, anyway, uh, Tanner has um, really kind of turned some heads from some people from Omaha um, and had a really strong USHL campaign uh, where he, he scored, you know, 32 goals um, there. So, and then also I really like how their backhand is set up. So I think they have a really good, um, presence when it comes to what they have up front, what they have returning from on the back end and a really strong goaltender as well, uh, in my eyes. And that Lacozzi is going to be the number one guy. Uh, and just with the, uh, defenseman they have coming back, uh, I, I think they're going to have a really good shot to make some noise. And I think my bold prediction for this podcast right here. I think Omaha makes it to St. Paul. Wow. I know. They they they, they haven't they haven't made a that conference a tournament. They haven't made a conference tournament since what Joe Lewis Arena, I think, is is the last one they went. They haven't made the neutral site phase of a conference tournament since 05. Yeah. So that's close to like Twins 04. Exactly. I suppose that we're doing yeah, this time of we're, year. we're breaking streaks in this era. We're breaking streaks. I suppose. Well, I got them playing uh, North Dakota in the playoffs. <laughs> and we know that their specific history with that team exactly. is not rosy. But uh, yeah, I think it's a solid team. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. The the one thing about that cozy who I agree with, I think is good. The thing here is he split the season last year um, with uh, Bucharski. Is that his name? But 20 starts a piece for those two. And so this year he's going to have to shoulder much more of a, a load. And he hasn't done that yet at the college level. So that's kind of an X factor that I do think he is a good goaltender, but I mean, he was helped along by basically just playing one game a weekend last year. Let's see how he transitions into being the guy for both nights of a weekend series. Give me something that's uh, probably a little bit new for him. So we'll see that it's, Maybe again, it's weird. Like I was saying about Western and Omaha, like as even before we were doing this, I'm like, God, I think Western, but between those two teams, I probably would put Western above them probably because I just feel like Fershweiler has earned more of a benefit of the doubt than Omaha and Gabinet have. Um, Omaha has struggled to put together two solid straight years in a row. It seems like if they have a good year, yep. they wouldn't hear from them for a couple of years and then they'll come up again, but they'll disappoint in the playoffs. And, and so I, I mean, it would not shock me. Uh, I, I, I know we got away from our uh, percentages of if they're going to make the top half, but Omaha, you know, if I got them above Western, I had Western at 45%. I'd put Omaha right at 50, 55%, something like that. Um, it would certainly would not shock me. It wouldn't shock me if they make the NCAA tournament either. As you said, I, I do like that that top end offense for them with Randall coming back, thirty plus point year last year. Now he's a grad student, so he's got the experience, and he had a really good year last year as well. Um, it's just, it's going to come down to we've seen this with them in the past too, where they'll 
especially their top end guys, rack up a lot of points in early seasons, particularly in non-conference. They typically don't play a, a, a very grueling non-conference schedule. When it comes to NCHC play, playing the Denvers, playing the North Dakotas of the world, uh, they tend to struggle in, in those games. And and it's going to come down to that. That's that's why I'm I'm lower on them in the league because I just don't see them stealing a ton of points from the top echelon of this, of this conference. But I also like the defense that they play as well. Um, Mancini in particular, I think is a, is a good defenseman for them. They play a physical game. Um, uh, but I don't, I wouldn't call them like a, you know, a two to one type team. I, I think that they play hard nosed, but they can also play upbeat, up tempo. Uh, offense as well um that's kind of like going back to like the blaze days you know, like ortega and those guys it was more of like uh again wouldn't call it run and gun but it was more uh, definitely an offensive first team is how i kind of pictured the best years of 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 their program and i don't i, I see a, a different style with gavin it, it is more physical because i think they're um trying to you know compete with with the best in this league and that's kind of what you got to do in the nchcs play a little bit more physical and big uh but but also i think that they're um yeah so i think that they can put the puck in the net and i think they can they can defend as well too but just that x factor of them not being able to prove it quite yet i think that's what sort of holds them back for me this year and that's completely unfair and taking like a non-quantifiable argument is oh kind of like how i am with mayot it's it's kind of that same thing it's like i'd like to see a little bit more and i get that also with omaha's i'd like to see them actually make those steps forward where they haven't Uh, you know they make those always been a consistency thing like even in within a season like we saw it last year sort of like the end of the first half where they're playing very well. And then they go out to CC and get swept. Uh, and it's just like, I remember, I remember that weekend. Cause we we're like, see if Omaha can sort of have a, you know, take care of business weekend against a, a lower half of the conference team. Yeah, Cause they took you out know, the West weren't, weren't able to right? do it. Right. Swept them. I think that was, it was after that weekend where they swept Western at home and then go out to CC and get swept. That's right. And, and that like West step forward, oh, that, one step back. That Western was that shootout where it's a seven to six game yeah seven to six and like omaha was up like seven to four seven to three like something like and then all of a sudden like western started mounting a comeback right it's a crazy game to watch via box score right and yeah and they'll play a ton a handful of those types of games um omaha does you know they'll they'll they have it they definitely have the ability to to put up points, um, but yeah, just something about them. Just maybe it's something like you know, betting on a team that's lost eighteen straight playoff games. Like I'm not going to put <laughs> you know, like when you're saying they're going to make St. Paul, I ain't taking that bet. You're not taking that bet. Um, no, so. I'll take the bet from you. Ah, okay. I'm not going to make the bet myself. Well, I don't feel but. that comfortable that I want to bet a growler on it. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on that. I, what was, you got to write that one down. Cause I'm going to forget that. What was that? Two growlers. If Miami makes it or finishes in the top half. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. That's you're on. You're on. Awesome. <laughs> I love those types of bets. Bets. Um, all right. So number two, 
Um, then, since that's where we're at, uh, number two. Uh, who do you have? At well, number and two? number one, I suppose we're we're going to be disclosing who our number one is here too. Mm-hmm. Um, you say you're you didn't you didn't have to think very very much about your number one team. Correct. Pretty confident yeah. about your Penrose champ. I am. And that Penrose champ is. I'm boring. I got to go with Denver. I'm going with St. Cloud State. There we go. Oh man, decisive. I like it. Um, yeah, uh, for me, Denver, uh, first off, they eliminate the hole in net with getting rid of Corona. Um, I think that's a big step forward <laughs> for them. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite. Uh, coming out strong, yeah, coming out of the gate hot. One of my favorite I Major like League tw- uh, Two quotes was that Roger Dorn retired, eliminating that hole at third base. <laughs> That's kind of the same thing with Corona is that, well, he's gone. So that, that helps uh, Denver's chance. Don't know who they're replacing with them. Didn't even look that up. Don't really care. I think he's going to be better than Corona. And I think they just have um, the death and their ability to reload every year. Um, And they're just strong in all facets. Um, I think they're going to be kind of the team um, to watch. I think they're going to be, um, really just night in night out it, it it's going to be just just an absolute grinder with them and i think they can kind of beat you different ways um obviously with the uh, boyum and barons there on the back end um i i think that's you know some of the best tandems when it comes to defense in the nchc um but uh you know with the uh uh you know just, just the power that they have up front, uh, Massimo Rizzo, uh, Aiden Thompson. Um, they just have a lot more depth. Uh, Tristan Burroughs coming from the Big Ten. Um, uh, well, that was... Uh, Divine. Divine had a good year. Yep, Divine had a good year. Burroughs was obviously um, coming from Minnesota the year before, but put up decent numbers here last year as well. Um, and I, I just I just think there there's too much depth there. There's too much scoring. Um, and I think that um, it's probably going to be, you know, Caruso, who hasn't had a lot of games because they kept tossing out Corona in there. Um, I would assume it's Matt Davis. I mean, he got 13 games. Oh, last that's year, right. Davis. A, that's what I meant. Yes. A 925 and a sub a sub two GAA yeah. in his time last year. Country music singer Matt Davis, as I've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. I'll look that one up. Uh, young kids. But yeah, this was the team that um, Go Huskies Woo branded as a one-line team. You're mentioning all the guys they had on their second and third line. Bros, Divine, all those guys. They're kind of be moving up now. Um, two-thirds of that top line last year with Mazer and Dornback are gone. But I think the best of those three, which was Rizzo, he's still there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's... But I, I don't know if it's... I would assume it's going to be Thompson on that line with him. I'm not sure who else what the other line mate would be, but Whoever plays with Rizzo, that might give some competition with the uh, North Dakota top line there with Gaber and Blake uh, for the top line in the conference. Because I think, yeah, whatever you say top line with Denver, it doesn't matter who the players are. Go back a couple years, go back uh, 10 years. I mean, whoever the top line for Denver, it's going to be one of the best lines in the, in the conference. Yeah. Going back to like the Pacific Rim line, uh, they've always seemed to crank out um, the top end elite scores. And 
they were on a great power play last year. Their, their penalty kill struggled. I, I do think this team has some holes and I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I Krona, I'm not as uh hot takey <laughs> about him, but I consider him more of an average goalie. I don't think he's bad, but yeah, I certainly don't think he was worthy of yeah, the praise. Maybe I'm God. leaning into the bit a little bit, but I do find him overrated or did I can say. Yeah. And I, We'll see with, you know, Matt Davis, if he can do it over a full season, yeah. it's, it's one thing to do it in, in spot appearances, playing on a very good team with very good defense. Um, we'll, we'll see how he handles, uh, the major workload here. And again, there could be some other time for some of these other, uh, the backup that you mentioned, uh, Caruso, who is older than him, but, uh, We'll see how the goaltending situation shakes out the back end too. I mean, Mike Benning was their best goaltender or excuse me, best defenseman last year, uh, offensively and defense defensively kind of the elite player. I feel like he sort of flew under the radar based on the other sort of high end talent that Denver had. He was one of their best players, all around players, but they keep, you know, cranking out these D D men with, uh, they just love the letter B. Yeah. Because we had Benning and Booyam and Barons, uh, probably number two and three on, on the on the depth chart uh, as far as defenseman goes. And now they got another Booyam coming in. This is on CHN. He's an 05, dra- uh, 05 birthday, so I'm not sure he might be coming in next year. But in any case, they got another Booyam in the pipeline. And then they got Brown and Buckberger. Boston <laughs> Buckberger is his name. So it's like bees upon bees upon bees. Uh, I, I hope that some of these were drafted by the Bruins, but uh, it's just it's a lot of bees at the D uh, and I bet you they're pretty good because the ones that Denver recruit uh, typically are. And so, yeah, this is going to be a tough team. Um, very, I mean, I would say that they are the, the odds on favorite. I mean, they were the preseason poll for the NCHC. They were the number one team. Uh, your safest money is probably on Denver. Yeah, I happen to go with St. Cloud, but uh, Denver is going to be right right up there at the top. Either one or two. I I don't see them falling too far. Uh, we've really only seen one kind of down year from Carl, and that was the uh, COVID year, which um, Schlossman and others kind of. Uh, what was the the blame game there that they didn't practice enough? They weren't able to practice as a team enough that was sort of the reason that they didn't yeah, it was put it all together like that, that year oh, it was some kind of uh, unconvincing argument um but since then when it was a national title in 2022 another uh number one over uh, number one seed in the ncaa tournament year last year and you know high expectations coming into this year and certainly not just a contender in the nchc but uh, nationwide, uh, they're going to be definitely a team to keep an eye on and uh quality team there. But I just happen to like uh, the team that we cover a little bit more. All right. So maybe oh. we want to discuss that yep. a little Why bit. Why is that? I've got, I've got St. Cloud at two. You've got them at one. What, uh, what puts St. Cloud ahead of Denver for you? I think it's close. I don't think that any team is going to run away with this conference. Uh, for me, the question marks, which St. Cloud has definitely has a few um, talking about some of the other teams, you know, thinking about Bassey moving into full-time duty this year, 
And, you know, that is going to be a change for him. Uh, at least with St. Cloud, like last year, he was a little under half the games because Caster kind of took over towards the end of the season last year. But for a lot of that first half of the season, uh, Bassey, I thought, had the slight edge over Caster. But we'll see how he handles what we are figuring is going to be much more regular two-night-a-weekend work. And there was a question mark there, but I... I feel confident in in him in a way that I didn't last year with the goaltending tandem situation. And so, again, I might be wrong about that, but I, I am feeling somewhat comfortable in net. Uh, and I'm really feeling comfortable uh, with the back end, uh, with the defense. I love Anhorn coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're on record saying Anhorn's uh, a Hobie candidate. Uh, if things shake out well, if the, if, if they are in first place, it's probably large part because of Anhorn. Yep. And so if they're, they're, player, if they're in first I place, say. I say Anhorn's probably top three. Hobie. That's not a bad bet, I think. Uh, and then Peart as well. You know, we're seeing it potentially like all come into place for Peart. Um, who's, had a slow sort of progression to elite status, but I saw him be what it was a preseason. Was it CHN's preseason uh, teams, which again, take, take those with grains of salt, but Peart was mentioned on one of those teams. So I think his stock has risen pretty high uh, and I'm excited to see him really kind of emerge as like a dominant force. I, I'm year. really excited to see what he does this season. Um, you know, we've re- and maybe it's because we saw him so much in freshman make so many great plays, so many bad plays. We, we like really seeing him mature, had a really strong season. I'm just excited to continue this growth and really see what he can do this season. Right. And as far as the biggest question mark being centers, it doesn't, I mean, it concerns me, but it doesn't concern me enough as, say like North Dakota having to rebuild the entire defense on the fly or even like Denver having to turn to Matt Davis for a full-time role. Like, I think they have the talent there. It's a, it's a question of how quick is the talent going to develop into something where they can translate that into a championship team. Uh, And I think you're going to, it's going to take a while for those third and fourth lines, bottom six guys bottom six forwards to to gel a little bit i think you're gonna use that first half of the season to find out who exactly is going to emerge out of that group in terms of particular centers but just snipers in general finishing type players um but the top two lines i i i like the top end top half of this uh of these this, this group of forwards i'm really looking for ingram to have a breakout season seemingly sort of saw glimpses of that in the second half last year. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going to have the kinds of opportunities. We already saw him sort of be become a regular on the power play towards the end of the season. Uh, And I think that's, there's no reason for that not to change this year. And I think he's going to be become a force uh, on the power play. And this is a team that, 
you know, we've seen Brett Larson have a very good power play year in and year out for this team. It goes through stretches of, of ineffectiveness and goes through spurts of, you know, score. What was the St. Thomas weekend a couple years ago, seven goals and in a game on the power play. So there's, it, it can be a little boomer bust, but in the overall season numbers, very strong power play. Typically they have struggled with the penalty kill in the past. And that's certainly something that we want to clean up this year. I think with having a full season of Anhorn, um, that's going to hopefully shore that up. I think a little bit. So the question marks I have would be the depth, uh, but I do like, I, you know, I, I, I think that the scoring, it may, they might not have the best line in the conference. If we're talking about North Dakota and we're talking about Denver, having elite top lines. Maybe St. Cloud doesn't have that, but they might have the best as it turns out. And maybe they have the best top three lines of the the conference. I think that depth is going to be something that it might take them a little bit to figure out, but I think they've got the pieces to make it work. Um, And it's going to be interesting how it shakes out who the prime, like uh, freshman scores are going to be. Uh, I have a, a, We've seen we saw in the uh, red black game, the little exhibition game they played on on Sunday. Looks like Barrett Hall was getting a fair amount of uh, special teams time, power play time, top line action. Um, I'm excited to see Barrett, Barrett Hall because you know we're talking about other freshmen coming in this this season. He's kind of an under the radar candidate to really emerge as a star player here, even this year much less uh, you know, in the future for the Huskies as well. And if he's going to be giving those sort of prime opportunities, uh, that's a possibility for being a, a great pickup for Larson. Uh, so makes me a little bit worried for my Barrett Hall, uh, Grace Delmonico. Uh, I did prop think about at, that. Yes. Uh, if, if he's going to be with Ingram and Okabe, and right. that's, uh, right. ooh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not liking my choice right now. And as we've seen in the past, like we're not thinking that that's going to be the top. I mean, that's going to be the top line when we start the season here against St. Thomas, but come March, it might be something totally different. But if that's going to be how we start, that means that guys like Yetnin are going to be on the second line. Uh, perhaps putting Yetnin not against top other teams, top line, maybe that will spring him for even more, more of a, more of a, a productive season. Yeah. And we're talking about a guy who's, had a 30 point season last year. And so a 30 point season. And we, we tip, we tend to complain about him a lot. And so uh, that gives you an idea of the depth that St. Cloud can bring to the table. If they've got, you know, second line guys flirting with 40 points. Um, and I know a lot of that's on power play as well, but, uh, but still, I think this team has, has the weapons. It has the, it's got we've got the depth available. It's just a matter of them clicking. And I don't think that you need to rely on freshmen. Like, I don't think that the season hinges on Barrett Hall, but they could be the X factor from like making this team into a Penrose winner. And so I know this is coming from a eternal pessimist, me placing them first place. It's, it's like I'm reverse jinxing the Huskies. Uh, I, I, I almost feel like I, I'm doing this wrong. Uh, and maybe the conventional wisdom is to go at Denver, but something about this team. I, 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 last year I had a a hunch that they're going to be better than what people were thinking as well. And this year too, I think that they're flying a little under the radar. Um, and I think they, they have a serious chance of, of getting another Penrose this year. And, 
just excited to see how it all shakes out. But um, what else are you feeling about this Huskies in particular in, in the context of the rest of the league? I, I do think top to bottom, we've got the best defense. Um, and I think that goes a long way, obviously. Um, I mean, we've got, you know, five major returners um, coming back. Reiners and Wiley um, maybe isn't as big as major returners um, because uh, Wiley and Reiners kind of switched back and forth throughout the year. And I know people liked one, you know, Wiley a little bit more over Reiners um, as it happened kind of towards the end of the year. But, um, but I really loved how all of them kind of work together, um, bringing Falk in as well. Somebody who's established, who's going to be kind of your, you know, stay at home type guy um, and, and kind of a shutdown D. I think that's a huge boost. And I, I think it's, it's going to be tough to score on this team. And I think we've got enough, enough scoring up front where we can win. We might not win games as big as we used to. Um, and some of those other, you know, high powered offenses that we've had, but you know, we're going to probably win a few more three to one games, four to two games. Um, you know, kind of in that, in that instance, um, really excited to see where, um, you know, kind of Ingram moving him to center, his natural position, um, after, you know, a year, like you said, he found his groove there at, uh, in, in the second half of this, uh, of this freshman campaign and him moving in, I think is going to be a good step for him going back to his natural, Obviously, we talk a lot about Solquist on this podcast. Him as a second line center, um, maybe a little bit scary, but I'll, I'll work through it. Um, but I think you know, Go Huskies, woo, always his dark horse, um, and it's somebody that I'm going to be really keeping an eye on, and that's Jack Rogers. Um, he is he, you know, I I I don't know if I have him as a forty point player um, that Go Huskies woo has him predicted as. But, um, you know, from all accounts, he looked really good in the red-black game. And, um, you know, we'll see kind of where um, his, uh, you know, how he progresses this season. But if he can bring in some of that, um, you know, scoring punch into the the deeper lines, I I think that's going to be a good, you know, obviously a really good sign for St. Cloud. but yeah, I just worry a little bit up the middle, you know, Ingram Solquist, and then uh, really it just unknowns and a lot of freshmen there for centers, which is an incredibly hard position to come to in this league. So um, we might be chasing the puck a little bit, but I think we've got the defense to kind of shut it down and get the puck back. And I, I, I do, you know, I've kind of, I used to think of this season as maybe a little bit of a lull season when we get some more recruits kind of coming in. Um, Cause I'm really excited for some people we have in the pipeline now, but um, uh, I'm, I'm getting more and more optimistic of this. And I think a lot of it starts with the back end um, and the stability and goal. I do think we're going to see, you know, maybe gray a little bit more than we originally think we would. Um, but I, I think also, that's not a bad thing considering, you know, you never know when pneumonia can hit. So, right. So, uh, 
I've got them first in the conference. I think that pretty much assumes that they're into going to make the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. You've got them second, but just put it on record. You think this is an NCAA tournament team? Yes. Okay. I obviously agree. So we'd keep the uh, streak alive for, for Larson. If we're not counting the COVID year, which some people don't, because there tech- technically wasn't a NCAA tournament, he's made it every year yeah. that he's been a head coach. And so uh, whether or not you want to count that year, uh, it's an impressive run so far. And he has shown the ability to reload and to come through with teams like last year, which didn't have the kinds of ex- expectations as other teams had. And, you know, finding a guy like like Anhorn, which this time last year, we weren't expecting what we got out That's of Anhorn. It, 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 is there going to be a guy like that this year where we haven't even mentioned him today? That by the end of the year, we're saying, boy, this was a... This was a home run. Uh, the fact that we ha- we have some candidates, I think, is part of the fun. But you've mentioned Rogers. I, I think I'm going to have to eat. Cr- if Rogers puts up 50 points, I'm going to have to eat crow. <laughs> well, that's yeah, for sure. I think we're all eating <laughs> a whole murder of crows uh, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 going to be a fun season because I think there's a lot to work with here and. Like I said, it's it's interesting to see who exactly is going to emerge as like either a surprise uh, candidate, someone that we just aren't you know aren't talking about right now. Like I don't know, Molinar as a captain has a huge season. I actually think uh, Kupka. You know, it sounds like he was getting power play time as well. I think Kupka. I've I was high on him last year. 25 point season last year in a injury shortened season, you know, think about maybe stepping him up into the 30 point plateau. Uh, Like that's the kind of depth. Yeah. We might have Selquist at at second line center, which I'm not saying that's going to stay this exactly the same, but he could work at second line center if he's, if he's feeding off into, into his line mates. And so I think that can, that can work as well. So yeah, I'm, um, Excited about this team and because I do think there are some storylines that we're we're going to see answered here, especially that first half of the year. It's going to be like all these freshmen that we have. I think we're going to have a a bit of a filtering of the kind of talent that that's going to help us this year and, and their roles as well, because we've got so many guys that play center. It's not necessarily, as we saw with like Ingram last year, it's not necessary that they're all going to stick at center this year. We might try, try them out on the wing. And because of that numbers game, um, we're going to figure out who emerges from these kind of positional battles. And I think it's going to make a, the season intriguing from that perspective to follow, but also exciting because I think there's, there's a lot of promise with this group. So yeah, very excited yep. to see how this season shakes out. So to recap, I have one through eight, Denver, St. Cloud, Omaha, Western Michigan, Minnesota, Duluth, North Dakota, CC, Miami, and Andrew. I have St. Cloud State at number one, Denver, number two, Minnesota, Duluth at three, uh, North Dakota at four, Omaha at five, Western Michigan at six. Colorado College at seven and Miami at eight. 
So we'll find out how wrong we are at the end of the season because everything is going to be. And we know, do keep ourselves honest. We will we will circle back to this at the end of the year and show our receipts, okay. say how wrong we were. Exactly. Uh, so we're an hour and a half plus into this. Um, we have games this weekend. Uh, the women playing Mercyhurst um, and uh, the men playing a series against St. Thomas. Um, Flow Sports, um, by the way, also will have the women's games. Uh, so they'll have Mercyhurst yes. as well. So you get a little bit more bang for your buck um, as well because um, they'll have, obviously, the St. Thomas and then the Mankato games. Um, and I'm wondering, too, because they we, we mentioned they play Northeastern coming up, uh, the women's team. That's, that's actually in the icebreaker, which is at your favorite Atlantic hockey program, Sacred Heart. Brown. Oh, no. And <laughs> oh, Atlantic hockey. OK. And that's at Sacred Heart and they have a new facility it just opened in the middle of last year. It's supposed to be pretty nice facility there in the state of Connecticut. So I'm assuming if they're hosting the icebreaker that flow hockey is going to be covering those games as well, which is also nice. in October. So if you get flow, you'll get to see the two women's games this weekend at Mercyhurst. And then you again, you should be able to if if they're. If it's what I expect is that they'll play game, they'll show games that are hosted by Atlantic hockey teams. Uh, you should be able to get those icebreaker games later in the month as well uh, from Sacred Heart. And that, like I said, that Husky versus Husky matchup with them in Northeastern should be an intriguing battle. Very much so. But, uh, um, and then you get the uh, the men's game on Sunday versus St. Thomas when they play at St. Thomas. They play at home on Saturday to start the season and then play on Sunday at St. Thomas. And you can pick that, that game up on, uh, on flow sports as well. Yep. And I'm pretty sure because it's 30 bucks a month, but I think you get everything flow has to offer. Correct. Or do you just get one? That's sport? what it was last year. Okay. At least no. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was just doing hockey. I, I, yeah. I know that they have other sports. I'm not sure. But I'm not like, sure about that. But basically I'm, I'm thinking also, cause they have USHL games too. So, okay. so if you want to peer in, cause you'll have it for the month, obviously if you, yeah. now they do it build annually. So they have a special where it looks like it's only $12, but you'll get charged 150 if you do that. So be careful when you sign up, just pick the twenty nine ninety nine a month, unless you want it for the whole year, I guess it's, you know, you'll get a lot of hockey that way and a lot of other sports, but um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we can look at some uh, USHL games as well and kind of see uh, prospects of uh, Huskies on the pipes. And I think a lot of Canadian uh, junior games as well. The, the second tier, I don't think any oh, nice. of like the, uh, the major juniors, but you know where the recruits come from, BCHL, AJHL, sure. et cetera. So, um, so how about we go um, women playing Mercyhurst? Um, we'll touch on that quick. We'll touch a little bit on, um, on St. Thomas, uh, and then we'll kind of just kind of wrap things up. Um, I've got a couple of questions here, but uh, just a little bit, you know, a couple minute blurb kind of on both. I know we talked a lot about um, St. Cloud men's already, yeah. so we don't have to go too much into that, but just kind of maybe what you're looking for against St. Thomas. But uh, let's start out with the women's here uh, against Mercyhurst. Uh, back in action and uh, going on the road. Um, to Mercers, who I believe last weekend they got swept, correct? 
check. Yes, they got swept. Yeah, that's right. Yep, by um, at St. Lawrence, uh, five to one, and then a five to a six to five game in overtime. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I did some scouting uh, on Mercyhurst. I have uh, not. Last so weekend. thank you for doing that. They had a good record yeah, so, last year, but I think they played just really bad opponent teams. Mercyhurst? Yeah. yeah, I mean, mentioned last podcast, uh, sort of mid-2000s, they were, you know, like a perennial tournament team. Again, they, they, they play in the CHA in women's hockey, which um, is kind of the uh, Atlantic um, equivalent. Women's hockey, they're in fact, um, they are sort of affiliated because the um, commissioner, who's they just had a new commissioner last year, Michelle Morgan, and they were announced she's the commissioner for both Atlantic Hockey and CHA. So I don't know why they don't just merge it into one name, but two separately named conferences, but they're affiliated with the same commissioner. <laughs> but for many years, the Mercyhurst was like the uh, team to beat in that conference and uh, made a couple of frozen fours even. Um, it's been some time since the peak of the program, but, you know, they're pretty consistent contender, you know, 20 win seasons throughout the last four years. Uh, and yeah, even 2009, they were a runner up, national runner up, made the national title game. So, uh it's been a bit since their peak, but still, I think a quality team. And so I watched that Saturday game. Um, I was flipping back and forth between them and Colgate hosting Ohio state, a great early season marquee matchup, uh, two versus four in the country. Yeah. I don't like saying that because it, that just is giving too much credence to the Astro poll, but Especially anyway, you put it pre-season. Colgate, eh, right, right. Early season Austro polls are, are, are not to be uh, trusted, but in any case, these are two quality teams. Colgate, um, hosting a regional last year, um, Ohio state as well. Ohio state was the number one overall last year. Colgate has been emerging as like, they're even sort of topping Clarks- Clarkson as the CAC's best team. Um, and so that was a, a great matchup in two very closely uh, played games. Um, Colgate winning on Friday, coming back from a, a two nothing deficit, and the, or excuse me, they had the two nothing lead. Ohio State tied it. Colgate scores in the last minute to win three to two. On Saturday, Ohio State gets out to the two nothing lead, and then Colgate comes back in the third period. Ties it with a late goal uh, on uh, on a power play and then wins it in overtime. Uh, And so, or excuse me, Ohio State wins it in overtime. So a split, three to two games each way. And I was flipping back and forth between that game and the Mercyhurst game because I wanted to see Mercyhurst, see what they had to offer. So through the second period, I can't remember if it was three to one or four to one after the second, but it was four to one in the third. I flipped it over to the Colgate game. And at that point, Colgate had scored to make a two to one to make it a little bit of a game. So I'm just, I'll just keep it here. It looked like the Mercyhurst game was, was, you know, not in doubt at that point. It looked like Mercyhurst was going to win. So after the game is over in Colgate, I flip it back over and I almost figuring that the game is going to be over. And it's in overtime at five to five. <laughs> like what happened here? Yeah, I'm looking at and this so I, score. Holy cow. So I rewound it because I wanted to see it. And it's 
four to two with like two and a half minutes to go. Mercyhurst scores an empty netter. So St. St. Lawrence pulls their goalie. Mercyhurst scores an empty netter. And then immediately after that, uh, St. Lawrence takes a cheap shot penalty. So they even go shorthanded with like two minutes and change to go in the game. Mercyhurst up three and they're on the power play. Well, they put the face off. Mercyhurst immediately takes a penalty. It's like a makeup call. And so it's four on four. Then about 30 seconds later, Mercyhurst takes another penalty. So it's four on three. And St. Lawrence has been pulling the goal the entire time. So now they got a five on three. The minute 17 left, they score a third goal. So it's five to three with a minute 17 left. Score a fourth goal with 50 seconds left. Jeez. And then they score again with the the net empty this this whole time. Net's empty. There really wasn't like a close call with like a empty netter for Mercyhurst either. Like St. Lawrence pretty much had control of the puck the whole time. And then they score the tying goal with like three seconds to go or something. Just a dramatic sort of game tying goal. And then in overtime, they score, St. Lawrence does, with about two seconds to go in overtime. So sort of like buzzer beaters at both regulation and Crazy. In overtime to to win a game. If you're talking about like those like uh, probability graphs <laughs> of a game, like can you imagine how big it would have been at five to two with right after they take the penalty, like five to two on the power play with an empty net? It had to be ninety nine point nine percent, but it would have gone all the way down. That would have been one game where I, I would have given had to buy you two growlers of beer <laughs> right? if we were going to make a bet at that game. So I don't know. Prior to that, and I watched like the period and a half prior to that, again, flipping kind of back and forth. But Mercyhurst looked pretty strong. Um, but obviously they uh, have a problem finishing out the game at the end here. Uh, and so a bit, of a bit of a vulnerability there at the end and on special teams. So uh being road games here for the Huskies, these games we played in Mercyhurst in uh, Erie, PA, uh, it will be a challenge that uh, for St. Cloud, it's going to be a tougher opponent than Union uh, was. But um, yeah, excited to see. I mean, St. Cloud had the weekend off, so can't uh, recap any of their action. But excited to see to check out a little bit this action this weekend. And, and if I think if they can get a split, uh, that's perfectly fine. If they can get a sweep, awesome. But even if they lose a game here, I'm not I'm not ta- I'm not writing off the season because I think Mercyhurst is decent. It's just they have some flaws. Uh, St. Lawrence exposed them. And let's see if St. Cloud can continue the trend. Either that or I was also thinking, like, maybe you get a pissed off Mercyhurst team now. Yeah. Like if they would have just won that game against St. Lawrence. Maybe they wouldn't have taken St. Cloud as, as seriously uh, as they may, may do now because they got a chip on their shoulder. So watch out for a team that's. Uh, trying to to stave off sort of a run of bad luck here, uh, coming off kind of a, a disastrous loss. Yeah. And uh looks like this uh, also might be the Olivia Svar Redemption Series, um, as there you go. Um, Olivia was a member of the Huskies and transferred over to Mercier's. So uh, that'd be a storyline to watch. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. Um, yes. uh to see the series and, and, and see the women play again and just kind of see more and, and, and how they stack up. So it's going to be, you know, I assume they're going to split time again uh, between the goaltenders. Um, when you get yeah. two high caliber goaltenders, it's probably going to be the case. So it's, um, yeah, it's going to be kind of fun to, to 
to watch that and hopefully uh, they'll come out with a sweep. So, uh, St. Thomas. Um, now, St. Thomas, who got a first place vote in the CCHA preseason poll. Uh, um, I don't really know what to make. Did we have a story about that, by the way? Like, did somebody come out and say it was me? Do we know? Yeah. Do we know who, who voted for them? Not a clue. Or if that was a mistake. Cause that seems that's, I mean, they even seemed higher than I thought they would be. I mean, even like in totality, I mean, I guess maybe the, the number one place vote kind of bumped them up a little bit, but. Um. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it did. Yeah, because they 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 finished ahead of Mankato mm-hmm. in the poll, and I'm sure the difference was that first place vote. But yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited, obviously, to see the freshmen and the line pairings, and kind of see how everything kind of sets up, and to see if uh, Brett's going to make in game changes when it comes to the line pairings. Um, you know, I obviously. You know, with uh, St. Thomas still being new and not, um, you know, and still kind of finding its footing, um, I do predict a St. Cloud sweep is in the cards. Um, but we've seen St. Thomas kind of give some team fits, and um, you know, Blasi is is a solid coach, and I think he's laying some solid groundwork there. They're still obviously a couple years out, but. Um, I do think that, you know, one of these games might be a little bit tougher, a little um a little bit closer than probably it needs to be. Still think they come out with the sweep, uh, but we'll uh we'll see how everything shakes shapes out. What are you uh, looking forward for this series? Yeah, I mean, if I'm picking St. Cloud to be first in this conference, <laughs> they better you can't take... drop you can't can't dump a game this weekend. Um but as you said, I think you got to take St. Thomas seriously. Uh, um, we have seen improvement, particularly the you know second half of last year. Um, they had some decent wins, you know, beating again, winning at Michigan Tech, uh, winning against Bowling Green. You won at Mankato. That was an overtime win, but still winning at Mankato. Went against Bemidji late in the season. You know, they took care of business against like a Lake State, who they finished ahead of last year. Lake State was uh, unbelievably terrible last year. Um, and so I think they're a team again. So eleven wins last year, and that was, you know, definitely improvement on the three win season from their first season at, in D one. So you know, eight win improvement. Um, but I still think this is a team that St. Cloud has obviously the talent advantage on their top score last year. Mac Byers, a Northern Michigan transfer, 28 point season. Not too bad. Their, their second leading scorers is Josh Earness. That was the uh, subject of the uh, little grapple they had at the coaches convention because he got scooped oh, up by yeah, Michigan that's right. and uh, the St. Thomas brass thought that some shenanigans were at play there. and so loss big loss for them in terms of he was a second leading scorer on the team and uh he's no longer there so um and they you know active in the transfer portal uh as they have been since they've been in D1 got a couple of the Wisconsin um 
rejects, I suppose. And <laughs> uh, Ryder Donovan, who was a drafted player, but he was a complete bust with the Badgers. Um, this Liam uh, Malmquist as well. Another uh, cast off from the Badgers. A couple of CC players they picked up. This Matthew Gleason, who I think played at St. Thomas as a prep player. I might be wrong on that, but um, he came back as, as well as this. I know a pro cop. Um, so they picked up some some guys in the in the in the portal and um and so I think they're you know I wouldn't say that they're certainly I wouldn't think they're first place in the CCHA I think that's crazy but I don't think they're last place either I think they're solidly sixth or seventh you know I wouldn't say they're even a top half of the league team but it's going to drive me crazy who who voted for them because I'm <laughs> wrecking my brain like I don't. I'm looking at this roster and, and I, I just don't know how you can, you don't, you don't see it. Even pick up, even pick them for like a fourth place. I don't like, I, I, I don't see how you jump them to first, but uh, in any case, yeah, so, someone's um, doing it for the lulls. Either that, or it's like, well, who is first in the, who is picked first? And it's, it, is it coaches that vote for this? Cause I could see like, if, if it's one of the teams up top that was really wanting to win the preseason poll that says, well, we'll pick it to St. Thomas because no one else is going to pick them. Like in, rather than like picking another one of the actual contenders, because that way that would boost them up higher. See what I'm saying? Like, but that's all in service of trying to win a preseason poll, <laughs> which is a pretty low bar, which is pretty uh, low achievement. Sure um, but Hey, I would, Crazier things have happened, yeah. but uh, Michigan Tech um, was picked to win the uh, win the conference. Okay, so maybe Michigan Tech's coach is thinking big brain here and thinking we really want this uh, preseason uh, honor. Who is that? Of being the uh, uh, Shawhan. Shawhan. It's either Shawhan or Sean. I don't know if it's one or two syllables, oh. but it looks like Shawhan. But so that's what we're gonna go with. But but anyway, yeah, I. I, I and you know you're playing in St. Thomas as well, and so going on the road anywhere uh, is is going to be a challenge. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely don't think these are going to be blowouts. This is not going to be the eleven to two drubbing that St. Cloud put on them a couple years ago to sort of christen their D one yeah. era. I think you're gonna you're gonna have more competitive games. Like last year, you had a three to one game in the opener at St. Thomas, and then a four nothing a four nothing win at home, which I believe was scoreless after the first period. It was it was tight there for for a bit. So I expect closer contests of that nature. Um, yeah, and it's it's not going to completely shock me if we see like a third period game here in, in St. Thomas is tied, something like that. But I, I'm expecting, I'm curious to see what the goaltending is going to be like this weekend because you're playing St. Thomas. You know, do you do you try to get some action with non-bassy goaltenders or do you kind of just stick with your starter here right away? be interesting to see because i don't think i think you want to get i mean we should mention in that black red game uh gray did not play uh due to some injury which larson classified as minor um so it was just uh bassy and posh that played i essentially would think they both played the entire game for whatever side they were on uh but uh Dif- you know, disappointing that he didn't get some action gray because I, I would have assumed that he's going to be the number two yeah. rather than posh just because of age. But you know, some, sometimes this is how it happens. Like if, if gray 
He's got a bad hammy or something, and Posh is the first sort of backup out of the gate. Maybe he impresses in that uh, in that initial sort of tryout kind of phase, and he emerges as a viable candidate for some significant ice time. Who knows? Uh, I'm curious to see how Gray, if, if he when he takes the ice, if if he can show something as well. Um, so I would assume Bassey's going to get both starts, but you know, I, it wouldn't shock me if one of the other two uh, get another one of the starts as well. So, uh, but yeah, and seeing who, you know, who's benched this weekend, we, we might see some, some surprising names. You know, last year, I remember Solquist, that was the one game he didn't play. It was one of the St. Thomas games because they're sort of giving the younger guys. We, we saw all like a Sean, a coin. We saw those guys play like a game last year against St. Thomas. Seeing if this year, you know, you might see a, a surprising scratch. I wouldn't freak out too much about it because I think more importantly, you kind of want to get these guys ice time. You don't want to have them sit on the bench too long, especially when we're coming into conference play. So it'll be an interesting two weeks here. You got St. Thomas and then you got Mankato kind of start out with some CCHA teams um, and both teams, which have a lot of question marks. I think St. Cloud will be the favored team in both of these weekends, but um, I'm excited to see both the new players for St. Cloud and also just how they're able to, you know, how, how this, especially how this defense is going to assert itself uh, offensively and defensively. Those things are kind of what I'm looking for, but yeah, I, I would be really disappointed with anything less than a sweep. Um, and let's, uh, let's not, let's hope that next week uh, we're not coming in here with some, Head scratching, right? Hmm. Maybe we were wrong. <laughs> Let's take care of business and uh, and beat a team that you should beat. All right. Uh, quickly, uh, firing four questions. Uh, does Gray see any time this season from Clint? Um, I think so. I'll. I probably even think about twenty five percent of the games. I would say, um, and I know that's a little bit higher than most people say. Again, that's just all PTSD from Rennick going down. I think, um, you know, giving Bassey also some time and, and off, I think, is 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 good throughout the season. But, you know, more importantly, I want somebody to, you know, not not all of a sudden where it's like, oh, there's a key moment. Let's throw you out there. And then we get a, a caster Quinnipiac situation where everything goes, you know, pear-shaped really quickly. Um, but I know, Andrew, you kind of think it's going to be quite a few less than that, correct? Well, no, I think in our KBSC episode, I think I had eight. And I'm not sure if I lumped that in with just non-Bassy stuff. I think you lumped it in with non-Bassy. specifically Gray. Does that, ma- that makes sense. Yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, this injury, yeah, Larson's saying it's minor, but how many times have we heard that? Like, oh, it's minor injury, let's ice it off. It's minor pneumonia. Six months later, six, six months later, oh, that's right, he missed the whole season. Um, so, I'll, I, I around twenty five percent, which would be you know on a forty game season, twenty five percent is ten games. So, I would say that's sounds about right for non bassy starts. Gotcha. I just don't know if Posh is going to get some of those. Sure based on how much this injury is going to be lingering for gray. I would assume, like I said, that gray is going to be the first out of the gate, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked either. If, ba- if Posh is the one that kind of emerges as the number two, 
Uh, Dan Jacobson, what do you think about Edge showing up in AEW? Uh, yeah, that was a big, really big surprise. Um, I hope, like, you know, wrestlers, you don't really retire. Like, anytime anybody has, like, a retirement match or a winner-go-home match or loser leaves town, obviously it's not the case. And, you know, hopping from promotion to promotion makes sense. I just, with all of the injuries Edge has had, like, you I know you love the business and all, but just be a promoter. You know, don't actually continue wrestle, especially with everything we know now about CTE. Just, just, you can still be in wrestling because you love it. Just, just not, you're still going to get the pop, which is what you want anyway. So, but yeah, I mean, see with Christian, what type of uh, storylines they come up with will be interesting. Um, Any thoughts on that? I agree 100%. <laughs> How many wrestlers can you name? Like, when you think um, of wrestling, like... Uh, like Gorgeous George. Oh, wow. Uh, Holy cow. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage. Um, okay, so that's kind of your wheelhouse when it comes to... Mankind. It. Oh, okay. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, Kevin Nash. Interesting. You got kind of a smorgasbord there. Gorgeous George. Yeah, I went. I was like, you know, probably my eighth grade. I would have watched, um, you know, the Monday Night. Yeah, the Monday Night Wars was every wars, whatever, whatever that would have been in the late late. Yeah, WWE. I I was in it for like one year. WCW were really clashing back and forth. Uh, Was it Diamond Dallas Page? DDP. That one. Yeah. The Diamond Cutter. So Ray Mysterio, oh, yeah, see one. Mm-hmm. So Sounds yeah, it's weird. I'm it's like perfect. I'm weird like that. I can it's like with me with operas. We were talking about that a yeah. couple. Like I can rattle off a bunch of different stuff, even from areas that I don't really follow all that closely. Yeah, so uh, all of a sudden, don't underestimate exciting me. Lava Um <laughs> The uh, last one here um, is uh, from. Uh, Alex, KBSE Alex. Uh, thoughts on wearing red um, or black at home occasionally? I've got actually maybe a little bit of a hot take. I don't really care for black jerseys, even in general. I like color. That's why I like color on color matches. Um, I know red's kind of tough because red's like the most common for color blindness, um, you know, with red and green, I think. Um, but, you know, it's. I would love wearing more red at home black, like we're black on the road. I just, I just find it boring a little bit. And, um, that just, just my thoughts. I'm, I'm a okay with it. And in general, I'm not too much of a stickler about like every once in a while, switching it up when it comes to jerseys, but I do like whites at home. Cause I like to see the colors of the other teams more like with the jerseys. Um, just so you get more variety that way. So if it's like just like dark is always the home jerseys, then you're always just, you know, wearing the same color over and over again. And you're getting the other team's same color. Whereas, you know, North Dakota, you get the blue and then CC, you get the yellow and, 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 and whatnot. So that's kind of my thought process when it comes to colors and on jerseys. Well, yeah. And it- I'm wondering if the women are planning on doing this because both. Of the I thought that was Union, weird. Yeah. Both of the I mean, union at home were wearing black and both blacks. 
Uh, I, I got so another that hot was take. Just, just it, as we're coming back to it, I've come around on the dog logo. And maybe it's just because I'm used to it and I don't really care to get angry about it now, but uh, I've, I'm kind of come around on it. And it's like when it was on the women's black jerseys too, maybe because there was a lot more red on it as well. I was like, this kind of looks sharp. I kind of like it. I mean, I like the, I like the C logo, but I almost like those. Maybe it's just, again, maybe it's just because I haven't seen it as much. I, I'm, not a huge fan. I agree with the, the black C logos or jerseys. I'm that's my least favorite of the jerseys that the men's team wears. Yeah. If you put the dog on the black jersey, that was at least a change of pace. Like mm-hmm. I didn't mind it. I wish that they would have worn. If they're going to wear color at home, I would have preferred them to wear red at least in one of those yes. games. And I don't know if that's going to be like a thing um, this year. Or, you know, I don't think it's like a. You know, NHL dictates that you have to wear colors at home. I don't think that there's been any sort of change league-wide. You know, when I was watching those non-conference games, again, non-conference, but the road team was wearing the dark colors and the home team was wearing white. So Colgate and St. Lawrence didn't get the memo (laughs) if St. Cloud got one about wearing colors at home. But, yeah, I was surprised that they wore both nights too. I thought maybe okay, just for the season opener, we're gonna change it up. Sure. That it's gonna go back to the to the white for the second day, but no, it was colors both nights. So, yeah, I, I'm certainly for it. Um, also, just quickly, Husky anime dog logo that it was faces left, and I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> so it would have been that logo and vermont be the ones the well, only maybe ones maybe that's why they now it's like maybe that's why they were now we're head on and vermont's the only one facing left but my twitter sources tell me when i when i showed the comparison is hashtag change the logo to vermont uh everyone was like "Ooh, that does look better going to the right so there's there's some kind of human mentality of it going to the right where i actually googled that Ooh. like if there is a graphic design principle that says that you should go to the right. And there was some article, are you familiar with this guy? Paul Lucas is his name. He runs a blog called UniWatch. He's like, all he does is write about logos and uniforms. What is like his entire what a, beat. What a niche you never knew you needed. And he's, it's fascinating. Like, Remember when they did, he like grades whenever a team like does a redesign, like he'll grade it and he'll just go super in depth into things that you didn't even consider. Like when he was doing the, uh, when the twins getting back to our favorite team, when they did their redesign this past winter, he's all like, yeah, this is kind of weird because like their home jerseys are more like red dominant, whereas I feel like the twins are more of a Navy blue dominant team. So this is sort of like, I'm like, I didn't think about it that way, but you're right. Mm. Uh, and so he thought that he was mostly thinking in the, in terms of, he did all the sports, but he said, he thought that it might've been because NFL, when they show like the helmets, those are all pointing right. And he's like, I think the only reason that is, is because the Steelers on the left side of their logo don't have anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they only have the, the, the circle with the dots or whatever on yeah. the one side of the helmet. Only NFL. So you think that's that, yeah. That's why NFL has all their logos pointed to the right because of the Steelers being weird. But I don't know. Google it and you can. And he, but he also said he, he thinks that 
it's probably because we in the West read from left to right gotcha. and sort of like the general sort of the eyes tend to follow to the right. So I think that is the general principle, but it is kind of fascinating to nitpick to that sort of level why the logos are the way they are. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be a, a, against uh, playing colors sporadically. I would sort of push back. Like I think you said last year, was it, CC was going to wear yellow at home if they won on Fridays. Yep. Like, I, I don't like planning stuff like that. Just like have a random day, like kind of how baseball is. If they're, I think how they say like whoever like picks the uniform top, it's like the starting pitcher gets to decide mm-hmm. like, Oh, we're going to wear the grays tonight or we're going to wear the blues tonight. Just do it randomly like that. Don't have a set like, Oh, on Saturdays that end in a odd number, we're gonna wear golds. Like, is make it less like schedule. I mean, CC I, I should say. just always wear the golds. I don't know why right. that's an issue in general, but right, I agree with that. Maybe that's why I hate Mayotte because he just doesn't institute just gold <laughs> jerseys for for them. Why do why do you, why do you have another color even? Because I mean, that's what makes like Sweden international competition. They don't have a white jersey. They just have the dominant blue or the dominant yellow. Right. So, but anyway, I love, I love color. And I think there's so much white already on the ice service. You know, even though I do like how our white jerseys look, you know, I like color on color matches that way. On the other hand, because that there's so much white on the surface, I'm actually in favor of painting the ice blue, like NHL 94, by the way. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I think it would just look so much nicer in like a, a like a lighter blue color like that. But anyway, nobody asked me these questions. I could change the game, make they it should. more pleasurable to the eye. White is the worst color on TV to to look at. Whole ninety eight percent of the screen is covered in it. Anyway, that's that's enough of that rant. Well, we're over two hours. That about does it. So, and about desert. Uh well, thanks for uh going through this uh season preview and looking forward to this weekend and the games again, mm-hmm. Flow Sports. Just select the $30 one unless you want the full season. They'll they'll get you. Um I'm Weldy. You can reach me on Twitter at more clappers, M-O-A-R Clappers, or you can search for me on Blue Sky too. I am there as well. Uh Andrew, what uh email address can they find you? You can email me at huskieshockeypodcast at gmail.com. Send them an email. Send me an email. Perfect. I'll give you an email back. All right. Sounds good. Until next time, go Huskies.